When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to our Inside Bodymore show on Claret and Blue. I'm Dan Rowlandson, joined by... My body shape looks terrible here, I'm very, very hunched over. I'm joined by John Townley. We're live on Friday evening at 6 o'clock on the dot. We're not late this week to have a look ahead to Brentford on Sunday. We'll also have a quick look back at Zurinci Mostar as well from last night. Before we get into that, and there's loads to discuss, uh, John, how are you, mate? I'm good, thanks, Dan. Yeah, very <laughs> kind of. We're going to skim over the Zerinsky game, aren't we? Um, get on to Brentford as soon as we can because that was a bit of a ball game. But um, yeah, obviously, Villa have now completed their first objective of the season. So uh, yeah. yeah, all good. Last 16 now for Villa in the Conference League. So no European football until March, which is about three months away, I think. So yeah, full concentration now on the Premier League. And obviously, we've got the FA Cup as well coming up. Um, in a couple of weeks, a few weeks as well. So, yeah, uh, lots to look forward to. And, yeah, starting with Brentford, I'm feeling quite confident as well, though there are a couple of injury uh, issues and obviously two suspensions. Um, yeah, I'm relatively confident. So, yeah, we'll see how we go. Yeah, um, uh, I've had a couple of mic problems lately. So, if anyone watching along can let me know if I sound okay. Um, there's not really much I can do. If I don't, I can leave and come back again. John, you can feel for a couple of minutes while I try and uh, basically turn it on and off again. But as long as you can hear me and see me okay, we will proceed. Uh, let's start with Zunski Mostar then before we go into Brentford. We didn't do a post-match show last night because I asked several people, are you available to do it? And they weren't. That was problem number one. <laughs> I also got to about the 60th minute and I was barely awake thinking there's nothing to talk about anyway, really. Uh, if we had done a podcast, it would have been, yeah, we're through. We've topped the group. I'm happy about that. Um, Zaniolo scored, which again, I think is a, is a good thing. Uh, we've talked about that a little bit about he's needed that goal to hopefully spark spark into life a little bit at Villa. Um, but yeah, no no dedicated post-match show for that just because, Christ, there was nothing to say. Like I saw on um, the BBC, like live ticker or whatever you want to call it. And it was like, our, our updates aren't broken. There's just nothing to tell you because no, nothing's happened. Uh, you were reporting on the game yesterday as well. Did you feel the same? Just like, nothing to say here. Yeah, it was a bit of a struggle. But um, I mean, we made eight changes. Uh, I, to be fair, I do think for the players as well, they know it's a... I mean, it wasn't a dead rubber because obviously there was still something on the game. As long as we didn't lose like 3-0, I think. Mm. That was a kind of a permutation and Leggy Wolves were up to score a couple more goals or whatever in their match. Uh but it had that feeling of, you know, like a pre-season game and there really isn't much to say about it. Yeah, nice to see Zaniolo uh, finally get his goal. Good he goal as well. Be... Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, fair play to McGinn as well. Comes into the match and could have mm. kind of taken it very, um, you know, casually, but he makes the goal straight away. And Emery probably said to him, look, just inject a bit of life into the match. Get Try and make a goal, get a goal yourself and then that is kind of, you know, killed all hope that Legia Warsaw might have had of uh, topping the group. So, yeah, you know, kind of job done. It was a draw. It doesn't really matter. I did kind of spot Emery during the game. He was a bit frustrated, I think, at certain points. And even mm. when Villa were winning, he was a bit frustrated with the kind of lack of rhythm and it mm. wasn't a 
very Villa weren't very fluid on the ball, stuff like that. But again, eight changes. The players they weren't really in the game. They're not going to go out of first gear. Um, so I'm not going to criticise them. Uh, but to be fair, after the game, Emery said that he was very happy and it's you know all all is well. So um, yeah. We move on, as I say, no European football now till March. I was more interested, to be honest, than what teams were coming down from the Europa League, what teams were going mm-hmm. through to the playoff round. And it looks it looks difficult, man. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I was kind of um, hoping that we'd have a bit of an easier run at it, I think, looking at what was there last season and then even the season before that when Roma won it. Mm-hmm. In the Conference League, I do think this is probably the hardest. Um, or, I suppose there's probably more challenging teams um, at this stage of the competition than what there were in the previous years, if that makes sense. We are by far and away the bookies' favourites to win the competition, but we know it doesn't work like that. And um, what I would say is that Villa, I hope, can win all of their home games in the uh, knockouts. And then away from home, they're just going to have to, you know, I suppose avoid avoid a defeat. <laughs> Again, it won't be that simple. Um, and each game will throw up different issues and problems. But yeah, there's um there's certainly quite a few teams in there that I like uh, that I think are more than capable of you know reaching to the reaching the final. Will have aspirations to reach the final. Um, but yeah, mm. in terms of yesterday, just job done, and we and we um move on. Yeah, I think if you look at West Ham, their route to the final last year, I'd be surprised if Villa had such an easy route to the final this year. If obviously Villa go all the way, but like you said, we're still the favourites for the competition, and rightly so, given the resources and, and the squad that Villa have. You, you do look at some of those sides that have come down from the Europa League and think, bloody hell, like, why are you why are you in this now? <laughs> Seems yeah. So if you're out of the competition, you shouldn't get a second chance to go down. Like you have a chance <laughs> of league in the Europa League. If you're out, you're out. That's how it should be. Yeah, maybe so. But you look at. I mean, Ajax haven't been good this season, but they've looked like they might have turned a corner now. So I'm thinking they could be... And they could have by um, March as well. It's a long time, yeah. Yes, exactly that. Real Betis as well. They haven't lost Mm. at home. La Liga, their first home loss of the season in all competitions was against Rangers last night. So, I mean, to be fair, either Rangers or Betis, one of them were going to be in the Conference League and either one of them, I wouldn't want Villa to play. Villa Rangers would be, um, you know, quite something in terms of a spectacle, but... Rangers going to Ibrox and stuff. I wouldn't want that. So, um, yeah, there are quite a few decent teams. Obviously, Frankfurt are in there as well. Um, they've yeah. been in Europe four times in the last five years, I think. Four seasons out of five. Obviously, won the Europa League, been in the Champions League round of 16 recently too. Again, they're not what, what they were. Um, they finished second and obviously they'll have to now play a team that have come down from the Europa League. So, hopefully, they can get a decent side and one of them can get knocked out. Mm. But, um, We'll see where Villa or, or what the pitch looks like for Villa moving forward, but it is going to be, you know, it's, it's going to be challenging. And um, I know I said my piece about the Conference League before, and I, I must say again, that wasn't me <laughs> kind of saying I don't want Villa to win or I don't want them to be in the competition. I absolutely do, but it was just the, the, the kind of point of, um, you know, where where would this trophy sit in Aston history, that sort of stuff that I kind of got my back up on. But um, yeah, the teams that are in at the moment, there are some decent sides, so Villa will have to absolutely earn everything that they um mm. achieve hopefully come is it may the final in Athens? hopefully they'll be there and that'll be a one-off game and hopefully they'll be able to do it yeah is it right that the draw for the knockout this february playoff thing yeah. is monday and then the, the draw for the last 16 is friday is that right or is it next friday yes yeah, so the 32 that's on monday and then the last 16 will be in february yeah oh really I thought it was Friday I thought you tweeted it was the 23rd of December <laughs> if I did then I was wrong <laughs> no no okay. 23rd 
no march uh sorry february sorry friday friday february 23rd um that's listed on the UEFA website. I think no, they so do... we don't find out who we played till the end of February. No. Oh, okay. No, so it's last in in the Europa League and the Champions League. They do last last sixteen because there's no because um, no one comes down into the. I don't know how to quite explain it, but yeah, we won't find out who we play until February. But then the round of thirty two okay. is um, next. Is it next week? Did you say? Yeah, I think I think yeah. the the playoff thing is Monday, and I was just thinking that for some reason it was Friday next week, and I was like, oh, we'll talk about that when we do the Sheffield United uh, podcast for some reason because no. that's the twenty third. So I must have just seen your tweet as twenty third and thought okay. it's this this week coming up. But I've just checked, and you did say February, so I just totally misread. Oh, God, thank uh, God. No, yeah, so yeah that, that'll be after yeah. the so yeah the draw will be after the playoffs basically. So yeah, well yeah, obviously things. that makes sense, doesn't it? I don't know why I thought it was going to be this Friday, really. So <laughs> I mean, as much as we don't have to think about playing in Europe until March now, we don't even to think about Europe full stop till February. No. Like it, it, it is full focus on the league to coin the cliche. And let's do that. Let's move on to to the league and talk about the presser from today's um, Unai Emery press conference as we lead up to Brentford. Again, it's the usual post European press conference where Premier League productions go film a few bits and go home. Uh, so you weren't there. So we've called the show Inside Bodymore because you're normally inside Bodymore and we then talk about it. But there's been a fair few of these where you might actually be there. Uh, so I can't ask you what food you ate or what the mood was like, but we will talk about a couple of Emery's comments specifically. The one I want to bring up to you is his comments about John McGinn and basically that he can do more, yeah. uh, kind of asking more from his captain, which considering his um, his form so far this season is one, nice to see that we don't accept uh, a standard and we always want to be better. But also, kind of harsh on McGinn I feel like <laughs> yeah the way he's I don't think this has gone maybe it's on the Villa TV site no I probably is to be fair um we obviously get the audio as like journalists before um the embargo at 2 30 so I was listening to it and it was the uh the guy who asked the questions was just saying oh, McGinn's been in great form he's really developed into you for the last year and then McGinn uh sorry then Emery was like yeah but Nah, he he has to play better, <laughs> and I was like, "Whoa, where's this gonna go? Like, this could make a a, a cracking story." But um, yeah, he kind of watered it down with the whole like, I love him as a player, and um, his mentality is like uh, an example for everyone else and whatever. But then he did say he has to play better. You think he can? You think he can get better, and he wants more consistency. He kind of touched on the game against Bournemouth and said that that's how we can improve because he's not basically 10 out of 10 in every game. <laughs> so high standards, right? But I think it's probably the case of, you know, McGinn's the one that drives standards on and off the pitch at Bodymore or at Villa Park or wherever Villa are playing. Um, he sets the example for his teammates. So if they're listening or reading that John McGinn is the player that Emery has chosen to say, no, this guy has to play better. Yeah, yeah, then yeah. they're thinking, oh, geez, you know, I've got to be... He's under fire. I'm definitely going to be under fire. Yeah. And obviously everyone's played very well, but McGinn is the kind of, you know, you kind of hold him up as the always gives his most, you know, 10 out of 10 performances against Arsenal when he was clearly knackered. He was still the one running around the pitch and obviously scored the winning goal in that game as well. So, um, yeah, he's been, you know, I've always said he, well, he has, he's lived the uh, V Sports era up until now, hasn't he? He was one of the first signings they made and he's been with the club since then. He's kind of been key to the turnaround in five years or even just over the last year with Emery. Um, so, yeah, I think his Emery is probably 
I don't know, maybe a psychological thing of kind of, again, he didn't pick McGinn out. He was asked about him, but yeah, instead yeah. of making the easy answer of, yeah, he's been fantastic and he's a good example. He took it one further of he's not playing well enough and he can play better, um, which I like. It's um, again, obviously setting high standards, but that's what you want from your manager, especially yeah, yeah. someone who's he's been there and done it, coached the best players in world football. I'm sure he knows what he's doing. If this, if this was a different manager, I think we'd probably look at it and think, oh, he's thrown him under the bus. Oh, he's done this, he's done that. And um, this is disrespectful to, to, to McGinn, who's been so good. But I think now, because as I say, he's got all the experience and he's done so well, we know that he's meaning it in um, in absolutely the right way. It's mm. different things when Gerard, for example, dropped Mings and said that, oh, he has to you know, look him in the eye or whatever. Um, so completely different scenarios, but I think we can all see what uh, Emery wants from Miggin and the rest of his squad. Yeah, absolutely. Did you see the, this is off topic by the way, but as we're talking about McGinn, did you see the documentary that Premier League Productions did or the Premier League YouTube channel or whatever you want to call it about McGinn? Yeah, I haven't watched it. Um, no, I haven't watched it myself. I've, yeah, no, I haven't watched it now. No, it's very good. I would recommend it. It's, I think it's 20, 25 minutes long, about like the making of a Premier League hero or something like that, whatever the title was, uh, a McGinn story from Scottish football to the Premier League, uh, featuring interviews from his two brothers, Paul and I can't remember the other one, the one that both play in Scottish football. Uh, the three McGinn brothers, all professional footballers, is some going, isn't it? And his route from uh, St Mirren to Hibernian and then obviously to Villa. Uh, the interviews with Neil Lennon and the manager of St Mirren, I think it was at the time. And obviously interviews from McGinn as well. Uh, recent ones at Bodymore Heath all kind of put together really nicely. And yeah, it's a really, really good watch. Definitely, if anyone's got spare 20 minutes over the weekend, uh, as much as I want you to watch Claret and Blue content, if you search um, John McGinn Premier League Productions on YouTube, you should should be able to find that. It's uh, yeah, certainly worth twenty minutes or so of your time. What a great player though, John McGinn. Like his story, you mentioned yeah. there, like one of the first signings, probably the first signing I think of of the V Sports NSWE era uh, under Steve Bruce. Christ, things have changed, haven't they? For what, two million, two point five million, whatever it is, whatever the number goes around. One of the best deals we will ever do. One of my favourite players to watch, as I said last week or the week before. Uh, his story from Championship to third in the Premier League and top of a European group and round of 16 that we'll think about later down the year. That's some story. Yeah, and that's just touching on the kind of on the pitch stuff, but off the pitch, mm. like he, he, I don't know, he could probably be a comedian. I think he was in the same class as Kevin Bridges and stuff. So, um, just a very good uh, person, great ambassador, a player that's always got time for fans, um, and is clearly a good laugh off the pitch as well. So, yeah, he's just the perfect player, the, the captain that you want. Um, you know, having the armband for Aston Villa. So, yeah, long may that continue. He obviously signed a new contract relatively recently as well. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so yeah, we all love John McGinn, don't we? Probably a player as well that I think if we can lift silverware this season, if it's uh, you know I say I don't say only, but if even if it's just the Conference League and um, whatever it may be, I don't know. Well, any silverware really, he probably goes down as a legend, doesn't he? And again, yeah, I've yeah. always said a club legend. I don't think has to be the best player ever to uh, or you know in the top ten Aston Villa players of all time. They don't have to be that for me. They have to be a player that kind of defines an era, um, a successful mm. era, of course. But again, what success success in this in this era for Aston Villa is getting back to where they belong. Um, he didn't just kind of win promotion like I don't know Neil Taylor did. He's taken it on a lot more um, 
and he's evolved with the club, captain them, as you say, Dan, to where they are now. He's yeah, he's been along every step of the way of this ascent you know, to kind of think of what, how low we were a few years ago, what, six years ago when we were losing like 3-1 at home to Barnsley. Um, yeah. Then McGinn comes in, obviously a lot more happens as well. We've taken over and we've got very lucky with our owners, but um, yeah, he's been phenomenal and a player that will always be welcome at Villa whenever. Hopefully it isn't anytime soon, but whenever he was does depart the club or whatever like that. Um, yeah, he'll always be a, a legend, I think, especially if you come in silverware. Yeah, he's got a while to go yet in his career, but I can see a scenario where he finishes his career with the, I think. Yeah, I think so. Similar to like Tyrone Mings, those players you don't want to see leave the club and put yeah, on Even if the show. back end is a kind of their appearances start to dwindle out, if he was a trophy lifting captain in the next two or three years and then, you know, we kind of replace him because we get better than John McGinn, but he's still around and still part of a, a, a unit and a dressing room. Yeah. And he gets into his early mid-30s, you think, well, just hang around now. There's no need to go anywhere else. Like retire here after a ten-year career. Like I could genuinely see that happening. Yeah, and he's made his home here as well. Which he says yeah. when he signed his new contract, he said, "This is my home now for you know however many yeah. more years." And yeah, he's been here for five years. Is it now nearly six? So um, yeah. yeah, it's mad really to think we've had him that long. It doesn't feel that long, but I suppose yeah. I don't know. It's all gone very quickly the last five years, especially yeah. the last year going from. Where were we, like 17th under Gerard to all of a sudden now we're third playing in Europe? It's, it's like a snap of a finger for me, anyway. Yeah, um, yeah definitely. I saw a headline of um, Aston Villa can focus on their title charge now with their break in Europe till the end of uh, March. And it's like, imagine you told us that the night we sat Gerald at Fulham, that pretty much just a year later you'll be talking in a title charge in European you, football. Well, what, what, would, what would confuse you more, the title charge or we're back in Europe? Because back <laughs> then, I for one was just completely like obscene. Um, probably the title charge, to be fair. But then Europe as well, because you're like, well, how, how has this season gone so well? Yeah, for yeah, yeah. You know it, I mean? could be, like, it could be better next season in terms of we're at the top at, in December, but to be in Europe as well, I mean, this season, this season has to go well as well. Surely yeah. that's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah like, surely we're going to appoint Unai Emery. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of comments quickly about McGinn. Uh, CC says, Emery is right about McGinn, etc. Our lack of consistency needs to be addressed, brackets, away games. And the only way to do that is to keep reiterating that levels, yeah. the levels he needs players to achieve. Uh, and yeah. Hayden Hitchman says, saw a post of the day that made me laugh. Caicedo and Enzo Fernandez combined cost the same as 111 John McGinn's, uh, which is unbelievable, isn't it? Um, right. On to injuries then, uh, the injury update. Something to talk about for a change, because generally we normally say things are as they are. Um, but Bailey and Tielemans, I think it is, to be assessed of their fitness ahead of Brentford. Um, and obviously not injuries, but Dean and Louise are both suspended for um, this game on the weekend due to five yellow cards. We'll talk about those probably more specifically in the predicted 11. Uh, what is the latest with Bailey and Tielemans? Yeah, Emery was asked about it last night and he said that they are both um, kind of concerned for the weekend, but he also said that he was quite hopeful that they would play a part on Sunday. And then today, obviously only a few hours later, he calls them doubts. So, um, I mean, he said that players have been doubts previously and then they play. So whether that means, you know, it's unlikely that they play or whether it's just a doubt to start, I don't know. But at this point, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to put them in my predicted 11 because mm. you, you kind of take it as well, they probably won't be fit enough to start. But um, will they be in the squad or not? I'd like to think so because Villa play, uh, sorry, they train tomorrow. Um, the, the injuries that Bailey, uh, certainly the injury that Bailey had wasn't anything, I don't think, that's 
certainly not long term. It was just he picked something up in the first half, and Tielemans also asked to um, be taken off in the win over Arsenal as well. So. I think they're just injuries from a bit of fatigue. I don't think it's anything mm. to be concerned about. And as I say, Emery certainly wouldn't be saying that he would that he was uh, hopeful they'd both, you know, have a chance of being involved on Sunday last night if they are um, kind of ruled out completely. So yeah, I'd put it down to like a fifty-fifty. If they play, they play. If they don't, they don't. Villa for me have enough squad depth to go to Brentford and get a result. Brentford are a good team. Don't get me wrong, um, especially at home. Away from home, they're not you know so great, but. Um, yeah, Villa are building a team and this is what Emery's kind of reiterated reiterated for a few weeks now, especially when it comes to conference league games, that he wants to play different players uh, and give different players opportunities because he's building a squad and he wants it to be like a squad structure rather than, a, you know, a first 11 structure. And I think I've said before, you know, you could have, you know, when they do their structure in training or whatever it may be, tactical stuff, you would have a, probably like a long leg just standing behind Pau Torres or Dendonka standing behind Kamara for basically when this player isn't playing, then you come in. Um, and this is exactly the same thing that you need to be doing. So, yeah, it's not ideal that player like uh, Bailey and Tielemans are out because they're in good form. But, yeah, mm. as I say, Villa have got enough, I think, to um, for that not to be like a huge worry, even if they're not starting. I feel like the same can be said of the four that we've just mentioned there. I've got them in front of me, so don't forget. Bailey, Tielemans, Louise and Dean. When we were talking in the summer about No Moreno, Ramsey, Buendia and Mings, if you'd have fast-forwarded to November, December and said, well, without those four players, you're going to be up in the top four, you'd have mm. thought, well, we've coped brilliantly without those because they have huge losses. Yeah. And just reading those names, like Louise and Dean have obviously been really important this season, particularly Louise. And Dean has done very well filling in at left-back while Moreno was out. Um, obviously, they're only suspended, so it's only a one-game thing for those two. But Bailey and Tielemans were players that you think, well, they're on the fringes. But they've come in and Bailey in particular has been very good. Tielemans has been great in recent weeks as well. On, the, on isolation, you look at those four and think, oh, that's quite depleting the squad. Like We must be down to the bare bones with those four missing. But yeah. when we go to predicted 11, let's just do it now because we've, we've already put a team together. When you look at the predicted 11, you think, you know what? That's still a decent team. That should still be enough to go to Brentford and win. Like We're not ravaged by injuries or suspensions. Like Yes, the bench is obviously going to be weaker. But that team there that you've put together that you can read out in a sec should have enough to go to Brentford and win, no? Yeah, and... What you've just said there, Dan, like, we've got Moreno and Ramsey back, two players who were pivotal to what Villa achieved last season, especially in the back end of the campaign. So, yeah, they've got enough, as I say. I'm not particularly worried if, you know, Bailey and Tielemans aren't available. It, it is what it is. Villa have to cope with these things over the course of a season. I think Louise missing the matches, obviously, um, that's a big blow. But, you know, for one game, can Villa get by? Hopefully so. Um, there was games earlier in this season where we had to, kind of turn to Louise for a moment of quality and magic but mm. ultimately that is a 100 million pound player right there so that do you know what I mean that's what it is um luckily now Villa have a lot of quality kind of spread out the team I don't think we're a one-man team at all we're not relying on Louise to win games all the time it's just that when a player is that good sometimes they will have a moment um mm. you know for example yeah. the Tottenham free kick where Villa shouldn't have been in that game at half time yet he puts you know he kind of just puts the ball on a plate for power to head in the equaliser. So, um, yeah, Luis for me is the big miss, but if John McGinn can come back, do a job next to Kamara. I've put Matty Cash out on the right just because I see him playing Carlos again like he did against Arsenal Man City because this is an away game. I know Arsenal City were home games, but he tends to do, you know, sorry, tends to start Carlos in away matches more often than not. So, yeah, put Cash out on the right just because obviously Bailey, I think, is... Um, 
you know, as I say, probably got 50-50 at the moment. So unlikely to start at this stage. Whether he trains tomorrow and he's healthy and he feels ready to go, then he will start. Yeah, I think that will probably be the team he selects. Mm. Yeah, your connection dropped out for a second there, so I'm just going to read through this while uh, you'll have, you'll have time to recover, maybe. Uh, so it's Martinez in goal, Conte right back, Carlos and Pau Torres, and Moreno as your back four. Uh, obviously shifted into a back three with Conte dropping in, as we all know. McGinn and Kamara as your two, Ramsey off the left, Cash on the right, and Watkins and Diaby up front. Now, looking at it, the weak point I do think is that right-hand side, Cash further forward and Conte right back. I prefer Conte more centrally, but I, you know, I've said before, get why we do it. Um, is there anything, do you think we lose anything by McGinn coming more centrally and sitting in as a two rather than being further forward off the right-hand side? Yeah, I do. <laughs> um, he could play off the right-hand side, don't get me wrong, but then I think you know if he's not playing there, will Tielemans play again? I, I'm not sure, probably not. And then you'd have to bring in Dendonka, who I, I'm a bit reluctant to bring in, to be honest, for a Premier League game. I think he played against Brentford last season. He started, I don't yeah, know. He played how... against Arsenal when he came on last week. Yeah, and I think that's what Dendonka is, though. I think he's a player that you can bring on to nullify things and kind of break mm. things down. And that's why I think he played very well against uh, United last season at home, Newcastle at home last season, played very well. Um, but to start a game, a, a game that I think Villa are going to want to go to Brentford and win, I don't think he's the right player. But, you know, Please prove me wrong, Cleander. Um, yeah, with Telemans, you know, possibly injured, obviously Louise out, I'd just bring McGinn back and kind of give that license to Ramsey to be that kind of threat going forward, supporting Diaby Watkins. Um, and on the right-hand side, I, I understand what you're saying about cash and constant. It's kind of like a misfit, but I think you can work it out in terms of, you know, you can you could almost lock down that right side, hopefully anyway. You've got basically two right-backs there, so... Um, if Brentford want to attack down that left-hand channel, you'd, surely they'd be a bit more reluctant to because of that. Um, mm. You know, Villa should be able to defend that. I know Brentford use their wings quite, uh, quite well. Obviously, no Embuemo. Obviously, no Tony. They're missing Jensen as well, who's a good midfielder for them. They've had him out for a few weeks, and it's no surprise that they've only won one of their last five without him in the team, I think it is, or at least he's been missing um, during that period in, you know, in some capacity. So it's a depleted Brentford team, not as much as it is for Villa, but Villa have much more quality than Brentford. Obviously, it's just balanced out that it's at the G-Tech Community Stadium, which is a hard place to go. Um, not many teams win there. Villa, I don't think, have won at Brentford since 1950 or something. Um, obviously, not in that stadium. <laughs> but yeah, it'll be a tough game, but I'm just quite confident that Villa can go there and get a result hopefully um, I know you're going to ask me would I take a draw and I wouldn't I don't think there'll be a game this season where I would take a draw knowing, show, how, <laughs> knowing how good Villa are now apart from a trip to Arsenal and Man City or maybe Liverpool so we've obviously had, obviously had that game already but any other game I'm, I wouldn't take a draw because Villa are capable of winning yeah. against anyone really obviously away from home we are a bit inconsistent but I don't know. I look at other teams and I think, well, we're not as bad as what they are away from home either. So I think we've got like one less win than something like the three of the top six or something. So it's not so bad, but obviously Brentford away. Um, it's kind of an acid test towards that because Brentford are good at home. We're not so good away or, you know, haven't been particularly convincing. This is a game where I like to see us just go there. Can we win 2-1? Similar, you know, whatever it may be, 1-0. Um get another massive three points that would be um yeah be a brilliant weekend mm, yeah totally agree we will do predictions in a second i've got the the stats about our, our record there that you just mentioned in front of me uh just very quickly 
and I mean quickly, away from match day as a part of the show where we get to talk about something that isn't about the upcoming fixture that we're already talking about. Uh, I just want to talk about the V-Sports announcement earlier this afternoon. Now, I started a late shift today, so I didn't start till three. So I saw this pop up on my phone this morning when I was babysitting. Babysitting is the wrong word when it's your own child, isn't it? But you know what I mean. Um, and I just saw V-Sports announce his investment from Aterios, Aterios uh, however you pronounce it. And I misread it as that Weeds put investment into them. And I was thinking, that's a Greek football club, I suspect, by the the, the name. Like it's another it's another one in their dossier of a, of a club we've acquired a partnership in. And didn't think anything of it. Uh, and then I logged on properly and caught up with things uh, as I should do and realised it wasn't a football club at all. And it wasn't investment in somewhere else. It was somebody investing into the Aston Villa project, if you like, or the the, the V-Sports um, yeah. empire. So can you just explain a little bit to me, if no one else, what all <laughs> it's about? Sure. So Ateros, they're, they're like, uh, I'm not going to go into the depths of who they are and what they are. You can find it on the Birmingham Live website or on the Villa statement itself. It explains who they are. But they're basically now a partner within V-Sports. V-Sports are obviously the holding company of Aston Villa. They're going to invest to become a minority partner in V-Sports. Um, Suiris called it something along the lines of the next phase of growth for V-Sports. And obviously, if it's V-Sports, it's Aston Villa. That's their flagship thing, obviously. Yeah, um, yeah so on the statement, it says that um, Ateros's capital investment will primarily be used to fund the growth and infrastructure um, investments. They have a long-term aim of creating material and sustainable value for Villa and the broader V-Sports network over time. So, basically they'll be funding the expansion of V-Sports' material assets and that isn't something that's going to kind of happen overnight but what what is interesting for me I suppose is you know they're putting this is a um a firm that I think it's like 6.5 billion pounds worth in in terms of equity or whatever and obviously that doesn't mean that all of a sudden they'll jump to the top of the uh, the net worth table or anything like that it's nothing at all um kind of related to that specifically but I think it's interesting that well, what's the um what's in it for this US firm, I suppose. You know, obviously, yeah. if they're investing in V-Sports, then fantastic for Villa and for them because it just more access to money, um, ultimately. But they're not doing it for free, of course. So it'll be interesting to see what that will bring in the future for them. Um, I don't know exactly what that'll be. And it, it's not going to be mentioned in the statement. Only Sirius and Idens will know and probably other people who are more uh, business savvy than ourselves. But... Yeah, that's my only kind of question of what's in it for them in the long run. Um, but yeah, NSWE also said that it would um, kind of stay, not stabilise, but it would enhance, sorry, uh, Villa's financial footing because we obviously know that at the moment, you know, you've got state-linked ownership groups owning Man City, Newcastle. That ain't going to stop either. One of them tried to own Man United a couple of months ago. Now Sir Jim Ratcliffe's going to have a stake in United or whatever. That's not going to stop. So Villa and Sawiris, uh, Edens, V-Sports, they need to, it's hard to say, stay ahead of the game because when those teams have basically infinite wealth, um, you know, obviously FFP kind of limits what, certain teams can do but if you're in the top six right now then you can spend as we've seen through Chelsea you can spend a billion quid in the course of about 12 months on transfers and stuff and obviously thing well for them but that's quite alarming to see that you know you can just do that um Man City as well they've you know been funded and they've won the Champions League um having spent 
tons of money. You know, how much money have they spent on fullbacks alone? It's it's crazy. So for, I always say from where Villa, we had the conversation previously, didn't we, Dan, about, you know, Villa, you know, to be competing where they are now against those clubs, it is remarkable. Although we've spent, mm. you know, decent money ourselves, you have to spend that just to compete in the top half of the table, let alone competing in the top seven. Now, hopefully for the Champions League as well. So it's just getting access, basically, this deal. Obviously, it's one deal. Um, that's it. But it's just a kind of another example of NSWE. You know, they've... <laughs> They want to put Villa on the map. They're doing that, but they don't want to do it in the long term. This isn't a kind of a Wolves flash in the pan. Um, mm. We're in Europe, we're here to stay, but then they're not. Same as West Ham, in a way that West Ham have kind of fluctuated. The Premier League form has dropped off. And they're. I would say I think West Ham have probably got the infrastructure to kind of become something because they're in London. I think they'd appeal to probably um, Sheikh Jassim, to be honest, something like that, because it's for what it is. Um, but yeah, Villa have got fantastic owners and they're just trying to kind of expand you know what they can do with the club and this is a deal that will hope hopefully allow them to do that they you know they want to become i think i've said it before they want to become part of a great eight in their eyes so it would be you know your big six plus newcastle because they are now um that team newcastle and then plus villa hopefully um so we'll see where it goes but it's also important to say that these sports are going to continue to own 100% of Villa uh, and they're going to continue to have full control of over, you know, all of the decisions that happen within the football club. So there's no kind of trade-off in terms of yeah, yeah. Uh, ownership. It's just access to more money. And as I say, we'll, we'll see, or maybe, maybe we won't see, but I'll just, I'm be interested to see where is the kind of return for the US um, firm that, uh, you know, that they've just partnered with. And also, as you mentioned, that Villa is kind of V-Sports's flagship entity i guess there's still yeah. other opportunities for the other clubs the, the u.s expansion and things like that for a u.s company mm-hmm. might make yeah. sense to, to venture into that as well i'm gonna ask a stupid question here so you can give me a stupid answer if you like does this mean and i don't know if i fully believe this anyway but i'm asking it because i felt like this will be the the common faq does this mean we can spend more on players <laughs> if you get champions league yeah honestly there's no um this isn't uh you know, US firm is investing in Villa. Villa don't need that. They have the money behind them through Suiris and um, Edens, but there's different projects, there's different things that the V-Sports group are trying to do. do you know what I mean? This isn't just V-Sports, only Aston Villa and they're concentrated on buying players to get into Europe and stuff. We've just seen that they've got partnerships with, you just say, Dan Vissel, Vissel Kobe, I think it's called. Um, they want to uh, put a team in the MLS. They want... They've got a stake in Vittoria. Um, there's lots of things going on. They obviously want to expand Villa Park as well. This is much more than just um, putting Aston Villa back in the top table of European football. But to do that, obviously, that's very difficult to do. So it's like a big pyramid. That's the kind of the end goal for them. They want Aston Villa, um, you know, back where they were formerly as such and competing there in the long term and sustainably. Um you know, for many years to come, but to get to that level, considering what competition is with them, is to say it's very easy for Villa, or if Villa weren't, or how do I say this, if V-Sports didn't have the mindset that they have to be doing these deals and different things, Villa would be finishing third, and then when Unai Emery leaves, say in five years, whatever it may be, then they might drop down and they might be a mid-table club again. That is the kind of reality of what it is, because those clubs that are with them are so massive and they've had access to Champions League football and all those revenue streams etc etc and access to you know state linked funding um that's what we've seen with Leicester who've got relegated with Wolves who've dropped down um other teams as well it's happened previously but to get 
on that level and stay there, which is so difficult. There's so much that has to happen. Um, so no, this firm isn't just going to come in and you know help Villa buy players. That's not it. Villa have to work around FFP to do that, and that's the kind of the football side of it. Getting Champions League will be massive for that. For example, put it another way, Chelsea. Now that they can't, um, or what's the word? Uh, amortize. I think it's amortization. No, they can't do that. Yeah, they can't do that with the contracts moving forward and, and, you know, for different players that they buy. I know they voted for it and I'm not too sure why, but um, if they don't get Champions League, for example, in the next four years, that's going to be massive because Mm. all of a sudden, where is that revenue coming from? They've had it for years and years and years um, and all of a sudden they don't, you know, (laughs) where does that leave them in the coming seasons? That's the... Yeah, Champions League, big revenues from footballing um, success is what's going to allow Villa to grow as a football club. On isn't on the pitch, I suppose, but off the pitch, everything, all the moves that V Sports are making are you know really exciting, and it's not anything that us football fans will know too well unless you work in that field yourself. Um, but yeah, they're certainly putting plans in place so Villa are you know on top of their game, and um, hopefully you know an example for many of the clubs. Um, you know, we, we don't want extra competition, but if you're going to look to anyone to think who's done it properly, it would be Aston Villa. It wouldn't be Newcastle who have been bought by, you know, a state link group. And yeah, they might bring success and whatever, but if you want a team that have kind of done it in a different way, yes, billion pound owners, etc. But that's how, um, or they're going to basically try and show you how to do it. Mm. And hopefully it works. Yeah. Nicely handled, John. Well done. We're doing this live. Normally, uh, you get the chance to redo things and I can edit round it or whatever. I've asked you a couple of difficult questions there and I feel like you've handled it very well. So, fair play. Mate, every, I'm sure everyone's in the comments saying, oh, what's he talking about? No, no. I think, <laughs> I think, honestly, I think you handled that very, very well live on air. Uh, let's go back to football, though, and into predictions and the final part about Brentford. Um, mentioned earlier about our record against them, uh, particularly at their stadium, but I've got just got the head-to-head record of the last um, however many games it is since we've played them in recent history. You mentioned the last time uh, we beat them at their place, uh, in particular, was uh, 1953 in the FA Cup. Um, oh. It's like, oh, we've not beat them in 70-odd years. Yeah, we didn't play them for 70-odd years, that's why. No, we don't play them between 1953 and the next one is 2016. So there is uh, 10 games between 2016 and 2023 that Aston Villa and Brentford have played each other across the Championship uh, and then the last four have been in the Premier League. What do you think our overall record is against them? Never mind just at their place. How many wins? Think, uh, how many wins have we had against them in, in, that, in those 10? I haven't looked at this, but I think it's only one. It is only one. Can you remember the one? That was the day after, not the day after, a couple of days after Steven (laughs) Gerrard left. Yeah, Yeah, I always, um, yeah, they are the the bogey team and we'd never beat them at home in the championship, did we? Obviously we didn't. Um, And we drew with them one all in the first year that they got promoted, I think, at Villa Park, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. They're wearing a yellow kit. Yeah, and then we beat them last season at home. What did we do away? We drew Douglas Lloyd's last minute and the season before that, we lost 2-1. It was turn of the year. When I think that, that game, actually, when we lost 2 ridiculous, by the way. Are you sure you haven't got this open in another tab? No, I, I can recall what I was doing as well. I was at, unfortunately, I was at St. Andrews when they lost 2-1 oh. two seasons ago. So, um, yeah, not good. For the one-all, I was reporting it instead of Ash when they were in the yellow kit. Uh, last season, I was reporting it instead of Ash again. Um, 2-1. Uh, no, 1-0, sorry. Yeah. Um, 
mad but, by the way that, you, uh, the way you just mentioned certain things there even like the phrasing of uh at the turn of the year we lost 2-1 that was the 2nd of january, january. Like the, t- yeah. the turn of the year could be like the first few weeks of january for me but it's that specific that's again, hey, oh, very, very good you built this episode by the way fair play living very villa for the last like 10 years of my life it becomes uh it's sad really um well, I, I, that... likewise i'm at, go, go to all the home games and stuff <laughs> yeah no it's no not, it's not I'm doing doing it. I, can, I can barely remember who we played last week never mind in the turn of the year of 2021 <laughs> yeah um but i do remember that game the two one that we lost because i felt like that was the first time that there was questions around gerard because before that it wasn't so you know i think he won like five of his first nine or something you know similar like and which wasn't so bad it was like okay you know he's building something and then um we lose to brentford and all of a sudden there was like questions of oh dear i think we went one and up with was the danny ings i think yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and the, the second goal they scored was a really nice goal i think from was it rawslev i'm not looking at it that might be wrong you've got this open in the town i'm, I'm got... swear to god i don't join to screenshot and send it right now you got the highlights up or something i can't have an over i can't have another tab open because my internet would go <laughs> <So>. <laughs> no yeah um brentford have been the bogey team and Hopefully we can yeah finally beat them away from home. But um yeah, I mean last season we had Martinez go off half time and stuff as well, didn't we? So that was always gonna be difficult yeah, yeah. coming back from that. But we showed really good mentality and um yeah, there was a bit of disappointment, but I actually felt like oh Villa can do this now in terms of getting Europe because when is Villa ever kind of come back from a goal behind away at home sorry, away from home against a team that are good at home and we lo- we lose the keeper, score late when we really probably shouldn't have different mm. things and um yeah, so hopefully to, uh, Sunday, sorry, we can um, yeah finally claim a victory in Brentford. Yeah, I remember that that most recent one was a really good point, wasn't it? So we were looking at it in our like, predictions run for the end of the season. Now, like Brentford's a bogey team, but if we go and get the, go and get something there, that'll be decent and to get the point in the way we did towards the end with the Martinez injury as well. Yeah, that's a really really good point out yeah. of that terrible record against them overall. It, it was ill um, when he sorry Martinez, not an injury, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right, recent form for Brentford very quickly. Like I feel like the way we talk about them being a bogey team and how there's people like nervous about this game is just based off what's come before. We just never yeah, yeah, seem yeah. to do well against them. The days in the championship where like we sign Scott Hogan and then play them really soon after and they batter us. It's like we're just cursed against this club is how it feels like. Um, but you look at uh, where they are this season in 11th, 1-5, drawn four, drawn four lost seven, 19 points, uh, lost four of the last five. Their only win in that five was Luton. Yes, they lost to Liverpool and Arsenal uh, and Brighton, I suppose. But the other was she- the most recent one, Sheffield United 1-0, which is really not a, not a, not a good result at all. No. Uh, they did win three in a row before this period of five uh, with the four defeats of five. So, you know, very up and down, very middle of the road, nothing too special, not a, com- a contender for European football this season. And a team that, despite the record, if Villa are serious about the top four, we should be beating them. I'm not saying we have to be beating them because there's still a long way to go, but we should be beating this side to, if, we, if we're uh, serious about our aspirations. So, to end the show, then, this live, what prediction are you going with? Um, one all is my prediction. I'd one love to say time. a win, but... I also said I'm quite confident. So again, I'm covering every base like I usually do in these shows. But um, yeah, so one all just because I haven't been, again I haven't been convinced by Villa away from home this season in any game. I don't think, and that's not to suggest that we don't deserve to have the amount of points that we have. It's I'm not saying that. I just you know Villa are good enough that they can play poor enough and win points. That's the kind of compliment I'm trying to give. But 
I'd like just to just go to somewhere and dominate and win and mm. have no no qualms about it. And I know that's the very easily said, um, you know, easier said than done. Sorry, when you're playing in the Premier League, but um, yeah, I, I think Louise missing the match is is massive to be honest, and certainly a play that we need if we want to control games and get out with a two 0 win, something like that. But any which way to be honest in this game, I'd like to just win again. I'd love to see us play well. Um, and dominate everything I've just said. But Brentford away is genuinely a difficult game. You know, even though they're missing players, they still rarely lose at home. Then I think they lost to Arsenal 1-0, which was probably the, one of the very few defeats they've had at home in a while. I think they've won three of the last four at home as well. So, as you said, on the last um, the games before that, they won three in a row. So this is a team that they kind of blow hot and cold, but ultimately at home, it's a difficult place to go to win. Hmm. Yeah, uh, if people want to get their score predictions in, in the comments, I'll read them out, but you need to be quick because the show is going to end very soon, so I'll waffle long enough for people to get involved in the comments, yada, yada, yada. Uh, well, speaking of, if I'm doing some waffle, uh, iTunes reviews, if you can keep those coming, please. We had Since I actually asked for this over the last week or so, we've had loads of new ones, some really nice comments as well. It's really nice to, to read people who, who love the show, um, so thank you for that. If you're yet to do it, you can go over to Apple Podcasts uh, and leave, scroll down to the bottom to ratings and reviews and leave. Uh, hopefully a five-star review and some positive comments it's really nice for us to read and it helps share the podcast onto uh, various um, podcast charts and, and whatnot so very helpful for our show so thank you for that uh, my prediction i agree with you that i think a point could be decent given um the the record we've given uh, the record we've had but i don't i want to put all that stuff to bed about this being a bogey team and all that kind of things it's not yeah, yeah, yeah. It's never relevant is it to this group of players and this manager and all that kind of stuff so I think a win, but not um, nothing kind of special. I don't think yeah. we'll keep another clean sheet. I was tempted to say one nil again, but three one nils in a row would be unlikely. It feels like for whatever Unreal. reason. <laughs> yeah, it'd be great. I'd absolutely love that another <laughs> clean sheet. So would Martinez. Um, I just typed it in and put two ten. Uh, I don't think we'll score ten goals away from home. I think we'll score <laughs> two two one is what I'm going for. Uh, an away win um, okay. to really cement our top four, top three, whatever, Yeah, uh, heading into to a home game against Sheffield United, which again, I'll be back in Villa to win. And if results go a certain way, Villa could be top at Christmas. Just whisper that very quietly. But we're on to something here, aren't we? So um, I'll go with the win. And uh, yeah, fingers crossed I'm right. Yes. The only other thing I'd say about the way for me is that like, after every game that I've had this season, like the Bournemouth game, by the way, which that looks like a great point now, but mm. you kind of think there's only so many times Emery can say, oh, this, this isn't a criticism, or fans even, I'll put it to the fans. It's the only time fans can say, oh, um, you know, a good point against a difficult team when we didn't play well, but eventually when are we going to – we're not going to win every home game. We can, but it's unlikely. So I just think the way form has kind of been – not the waveform, so the away performances have been a bit kind of, I don't know, masked by the home, by the brilliant home form and performances as well. So I know I'm asking for a lot there, but I just think when the home form, or whenever we stop winning home games, we might draw two in a row. That's when you want to flip it and say, well, we've won these two away games though. And at the moment, it just is, I just don't feel confident going into um, every away game that we will be able to assert ourselves and dominate like a Liverpool, uh, City, Arsenal, those teams would. And I know it sounds mad to say because, you know, fantastic that we're even there. Um, but if we are being serious about, as you say, Dan, top four, top five, we are going to have to go to these places and just, you know, get results and be convincing doing it because if we go to places and win every now and again, it won't be enough come the end of the season. Mm. So, um, 
yeah, don't want to kind of end on a negative, but um, yeah, I just want to see us play well away from home as well as we are at home. And that's up to Emery to figure out. But obviously, yeah, sensational start to the season. So I can't kind of be too um, demanding about it. Yeah, I'm just looking at um, Villa's fixtures upcoming. We'll end the show in a second. And mm-hmm. it feels like because Villa are in such good form at the moment, I feel like I could look at most opposition and go, well, that's a winnable game. But obviously not all of them are all that in reality. But just looking at the away game specifically, obviously we've got Brentford, which we've spoken about. The next one will be Man United, which, yeah, as much as they're not what they were, it's still going to be a difficult game because they yeah. could win it, beat anybody just because they, they find a way somehow. But yes. again, I still think... Villa could could win there. Mm-hmm. Just staying with just the away games, you then have Everton away, Sheffield United away, Fulham away, Luton away, West Ham away, and then Man City. And that's up to April. So you look at those games and think it's not all winnable games there. It doesn't matter for yeah. me how it's I'm done. Kind of the opposite, you know. Really? Yeah. Maybe it's just I'm I'm still not fully out of the um the negative villa cycle yet but Luton away from me Everton win. I think you can go to Sheffield United and win I think you can go to Fulham really? Everton, Everton are brilliant at home though it's the most yeah, we're, we're third mate. we're really good you know we're really yeah but good away from home. home I just Villa going to Everton is not a banker whatsoever to me no, that's no, no, a, I, don't, I don't mean that but it's winnable I'm just saying that's a winnable oh, yeah. fixture every every game for Aston Villa right now is technically winnable but I'm going into those games thinking probably a draw against them probably a draw against Brentford probably a draw against uh, even Luton away probably do you know what I mean I, I'm still in that sort of realm um, I need to get out of it and I need to get out of it by watching Villa win 2-0 at Brentford win 2-0 at Everton against those teams who are you know mid-table sort of but have strong home form that sort of thing um again don't want to be too demanding with third in the league for god's sake but uh yeah you read out those fixtures and i'm still thinking how many wins are in there maybe two <laughs> genuinely and that might not be so bad if we can win our home games but uh yeah i see that as a tough one myself yeah well, we're here for different opinions aren't we uh, only a couple of score predictions in but they're 3-1 to Villa and 2-1 to Villa no one's going to predict a Villa loss or anything like that now one of those well, was from Curtis in Michigan so um, catching us live in, in the States which is which is always okay. nice yeah, um, yeah we'll, we'll call it a day there uh, loads to talk about loads talked about sorry I've been live for 48 minutes we tend to record these quicker but because we do it live there's lots to talk about and we go with the comments and stuff so um I'm happy to go for longer because we don't need to edit it and upload it and stuff. It's just out there and gone. So thank you everyone for joining us live. Uh, thanks to little John for joining no, us. That's, that's, stopping. No, that's stopping. That's not here. Uh, I forgot about it until somebody in the comments said no little John reference. So I have to go why, with it. Why is that? It's, it shouldn't um, be a thing. It's, it's, it's completely unprofessional. <laughs> Has this podcast ever been professional? Come on. Um, True. Yeah, John, thank you for joining me. I'd to be fair, I've given you a lot of praise. You've done very well on this podcast with the questions I've thrown your way. So, um, yeah, fair play to you. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in live. We do appreciate it. Our next string of content actually is going to be live. We've got the post-match show next on Sunday. It'll be me and somebody. I'm not sure who yet, but that will be live. And next week's Monday show will be live for the first time as well. Um, we're doing like a 2023 review which i think we do pretty much every year like we obviously we do it at the end of the season but we do it at the end of the calendar year as well uh, so that'll be monday's show and as a one-off we're going to do that as a live stream special as well that'll be me john matt and rob warner 
coming on as a special guest. So a four-man panel for that to look at the entirety of 2023, and that'll be live around half four on Monday. So the end of most people's work shift, if you can bunk off for half an hour or so and and tune in. Yeah, half four Monday. Uh, I'll give another plug to that on Sunday as well. Um, John, thanks for joining me on this one. Thanks, everyone, for watching along live. Uh, We will see you all on Sunday to hopefully talk about three points to Aston Villa and our push for the Premier League title. Um, we about the Champions League then. <laughs> no, yeah, but I didn't went for the title instead. Like, who am I to say any different? Uh, cheers, everyone, for joining us. We'll see you Sunday. <laughs>